Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 212 of the podcast. Make sure wherever you're listening, you like, subscribe, five-star rate, and review the pod before we even get into it. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the link uh, to hit the notification bell, as well as leave comments and be subscribed. A lot to get onto today, so we'll get right into it. First and foremost, let's look at what the market is up to right now in general and over the past week. So the big thing is NVIDIA earnings that came out. And actually, the last podcast, we talked about the surge in the stock most recently, the last you know year or so. Um, and they just released earnings that were really eye-popping. Shares are up 13 14% pre-market. Um, their total revenue rose 265% from a year ago, 265% from a year ago. And this is all AI. This AI artificial intelligence boom is incredibly profitable to their business. If you look at their earnings, their revenue, um, five years, 10 years back, all these things to now, the jump they've had over the last you know one year, the last quarter, this AI boom is incredible for this company. It's now the fifth largest company in the US by market cap. Um and it's it's just a crazy boom that that um, Nvidia is having, and it's this AI enthusiasm that's really booing booing not only you know Nvidia but other tech, the Magnificent Seven as they're calling them now, which is the Amazons, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Metas, the Nvidias, and Microsoft. So Tesla as well sits in there as well. So it's booing the rest of the stock market. It's booing uh, um, the rest of tech. Um, but yeah, this AI boom. From Nvidia again, they released their earnings um, yesterday. It's a closely watched stock, of course, and they had a really strong um, um, quarter. And again, based off of what they see in the AI business, um, even if they said China slowing down, they did mention China might slow down, um, but it's still strong, uh, still a strong earnings for them as the the shareholders and investors really liked it. Look at the past five days, barring today, because we're pre-market when we're recording this, we're about flat, but the market is signaling, futures are signaling a strong day today. We'll see if that holds throughout the trading day, but the futures, the pre-market look is is showing a strong day in the market today. We'll see again if that holds throughout the day, uh, but we've been flat the past week. We've had a couple of days where the market pulled back a little bit, um, and a couple of days where the market was up. Um, again, we're at all-time highs, roughly. So, I mean, it's it's really strong times over the past year for the market. So, if, for investors, it's still the inflation front. It's still how these earnings are doing for these bigger companies, um, especially like NVIDIA's, the, the Magnificent Seven. Those are the ones that people are going to be watching really, really closely um, and keeping an eye on. So, um, that's pretty much your market market update. Now, if we roll into current news, there was a lot. We're just talking about inflation just now. And so we still had the Fed's meeting minutes that came out from their most recent meeting. And they said that inflation is moving down sustainably, but they want to see it moving down sustainably before they consider to cut interest rates. So a lot of people are wondering when the Fed will cut interest rates. You could surmise spring, fall, all those different things. That's roughly been my guess. Um, but they did say in their most recent meeting that they don't want to move too quickly to lower borrowing costs because that could have a, a negative effect on on the economy if they move too quickly to lower borrowing costs. And we still have inflation that's hurting um, you know, the general public and consumers. 
uh, that would just be the wrong move to make because you can't really just keep playing with the market and lowering and, and increasing. Uh, they have to make a move and make a move one way when they do do so. Um, so the question still remains, when will the Fed lower rates? Because we are at the highest levels we've been at in 22 years. Um, and they want to, again, wait for price increases to slow close to their target of 2%, which we're right now at 2.9%. So those Fed meeting minutes said there's still explained caution um, and they want to be cautious of making that move and not making it too early um, to really, they've tempered the market. They've let us know that they don't want to do it too early. So that's still the plan. But we'll keep watching month after month what actually occurs as we get new data uh, down the line. BuzzFeed is actually cutting, uh, they plan to cut uh, cut folks as well as they sold Complex. So if you don't remember, BuzzFeed used to own Complex. Um, they sold it for $108 million and it's planning to cut its own workforce by 60%. Um, BuzzFeed, I believe, if they were the public company, if they still are, I don't, I don't even know. But yes, they did hit the public markets 2021. Um, of course, <laughs> when everyone was investing in everything, um, and there was easy times back then, but now 2022, 2023, only sustainable companies are surviving. Um, they're having a lot of trouble. So they paid 300 million for complex three years ago when everything was selling at the highest multiple possible. And they lost roughly $200 million, wrote down $200 million on the deals. They sold it. Um, but yeah, BuzzFeed's in trouble. The uh, advertising dollars are, are hard to come by. Eyeballs are, are still hard to come by. And now without the free flow of capital, like you saw two, three years ago, uh, they have to make cuts and right-size their business to survive and to spit out a profit. I don't even know what the chart on, on BuzzFeed looks like, but let's look. Let's take a look. Does anyone know what their ticker symbol is? Probably Buzz, I would assume. Oh, B-A-Z-V-D. As you can see, this is not a company I was highly intrigued by. Yeah, look at over the past six months, down 50%. Uh, past year, down 88%. Uh, it's trading at 21 cents on the dollar right now. Um, yeah, this is a company that people would have told you is a buy, buy, buy two, three years ago. Um and and now it's really, really in struggling terms. Five years, they're all time. It's down 97%. So yeah, just this company's going to have to be delisted soon. I'm surprised that it's still even listed. It's got to be below the requirements very, very soon. Um, but, you know, I'm, my fiance loves the articles. I read them every once in a while. I used to see them on my Facebook timeline. Um, so another social media company that's actually doing an IPO is Reddit. Um, this is one... You know, I'm not a huge user of Reddit, so um, they're doing their financials and they're going to go public. Um, at least they're going public in times that are more normalized, right? So we'll actually see what the demand is from investors. Um, and so they reached a deal um, with Google worth about $60 million a year to let the search engine, search giant, train its artificial intelligent models on its content. Um, so Reddit plans, again, to go public. They're going to give Redditors a chance to buy stock first in the upcoming IPO. Um this privilege is usually reserved for big institutional investors. So remember, in the IPO um, process, uh, the banks take the the IPO book to big institutional investors, get a feed and read on demand. They sell the stock to those investors, and then the stocks then go 
uh, stocks uh, bought by the banks, they sell to investors. It goes to the public market, the secondary market where everyone else, the general public, is able to buy it. So we'll see. I, I mean, again, this is another one when I'm not highly, you know, in tuned with, nor do I think is you know a, a really big must must be must have. Um, we'll dig into their financials and see more. But they first filed in 2021. I think it was smart that they didn't go in 2021 because, again, inflated numbers in 2021 when everyone and everything could go to the market and you would get a bid. Um, and so I actually like the fact that they waited to more normalized times to attempt this IPO. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We've talked about it before and we'll keep an eye on it. Let's get more into tech news. Um, Google getting some heat for its AI image generation. So the generation function of its um, Gemini, the AI model, is saying it's produced racially and historically inaccurate images of people. So Google admitted the model was missing the mark in this instance and promised to allow image generation of people again once it's fixed. So they pretty much stopped the function and they're going to allow it again when they fix this function. Um, I saw a lot of heat on social media, haven't used the AI generation, but check it out yourself if you let me know what you think, if you've used it. City CEO probably getting some flack as they released um, the bank CEO earnings. City CEO was one in the top five or six. Uh, her pay was $26 million last year, and she's leading the restructuring of the bank that will slash about 20,000 jobs. I guess the saying is, hey, if she took a little bit of a pay cut, she could save those jobs. Uh, her, her pay includes a $1.5 million salary and $24.5 million in stock-based and cash and seven awards for 2023. Despite the 6% pay boost, however, Frazier remains the lowest paid of all U.S. major banks chiefs and the only woman as well. So David Solomon, Goldman Sachs, $31 million, and James Gorman from Morgan Stanley, $37 million. Citi's group net income did drop 38% last year thanks to rising expenses and slowing revenue. So she's got to work ahead despite just cutting jobs. She's got to raise revenue in several divisions um, and try to see if she can you know, save her job. They're paying her a lot to do so. We'll see what happens. Um, so that was the biggest news. We did talk about NVIDIA earnings. Another big M&A transaction. I think this is huge. Capital One is buying Discover in the biggest proposed merger of 2024. So you know Capital One, I'm sure you know Discover as well. Capital One recently announced a $35.3 billion acquisition of Discover Financial. Um, it's a bid to protect itself against the rising tide of fintech and regulatory threats. Um, the deal has to go be approved. Of course, it's huge uh, merger and acquisition has to be approved. Um, this would make Capital One leapfrog JP Morgan as the biggest credit card company by loans and would solidify its position as the third largest by purchase volume. Um, so that's a huge all-stock deal, uh, which, you know, is, again, a big, big deal, I think. It's a big chess move um, from, from Capital One. And, yeah, it's really just, just um, you don't see a lot of M&A this big, especially in this time. And so I think they're trying to make a strategic play to be bigger, to encapsulate their network um, and insulate that much more. So we'll see. Um, a lot of fintech and, and different players came up, popped up in 2021. Some have far gone away, but some are still there. Um, but this deal gives the company a stronger hand to battle other bank fintechs and big tech companies. Um, the more they can separate themselves to the pack, the more they can future proof themselves. So it's going to be a really, really see one, if the regulators allow this, um, and two, 
what the the combined company looks like afterwards. Owning a network allows us to deal more directly with merchants rather than a network intermediary, Fairbanks told analysts. We create more value for merchants and small businesses and consumers and capture the additional economics from vertical integration. Um, yeah, will regulators approve? That's going to be a big one. Proposed regulation, regulation legislation from Senator Dick Durbin um, aims to cap the fees charged by Visa MasterCard, potentially blowing the economics of credit card rewards programs. So um, this is going to be one to watch and see how it goes through. Other big news in our roundtable, I want to discuss a couple items. One, just the truth about the market. I still see fabrications, um, untruths, things that people don't know being touted in the market about stock market, especially for people that that's rightfully so or not, haven't had the education, haven't had the time, um, don't have an expert they're working with. So we're going to break down a few images and show the truth about the stock market and, and kind of break down those fallacies. So one, people always say, what happens if the stock market goes to zero or my money goes to zero or all these things? Again, it shouldn't if you are working with an expert, right? If you're buying BuzzFeed stock all with all your money, then yeah, you're quite possibly could lose a lot of it. Um, but again, if you're working with an expert and understands portfolio management strategy, if you look at this world index, this really much takes the all country world stock market, the whole world in an index. Um, and it goes back to 1987 and it shows you different times, right? Black Monday, that was in the late eighties. People have told you that was the end of the world. We recovered not only a, a, like a year and a half later, it looks like tech bubble. Tech bubble wasn't even that bad. Um, it was just a period of non-growth in the market uh, covered three years later. Um, really good times until we, or excuse me, we, we had, that was the late nineties, early nineties for uh, the Kuwait invasion, some geopolitical issues. The tech bubble comes later. And this one actually was decent pullback because we had such a high rise, right? The higher the rise, the more the pullback will be. Um, and again, people have told you the tech bubble was the worst time in the world recovered in the mid two thousands. This one did take a little bit longer, but there's still a recovery back to all time highs. The Great Recession, the bank credit bubble, people who told you the world is over, 38% in one day or 30% over, over the depth of the of the pullback, recovered for a whole, over a decade, recovered for over a decade. This little blip, and it doesn't even go, we, we, we cut it off here, this chart cuts it off, um, so let's even take it to our own charts and just look at the U.S. economy. Then we get to the pandemic blip, people have again told you the world was over. We recovered quite nicely, right? And back to higher highs. Uh, and then, of course, the 2022 pullback, which we recovered from again. So I highlight this to say that people really don't fully understand that investing for longer is better um, still. Uh, they're trying to, one, they'll, they'll just say, okay, FOMO kicks in at the highs and they want to buy uh, at the highs and then think that it's going to keep going up just right when they buy and then they give up when it goes down because they don't have the right intentions when they're investing. You're not going to time things. You're not going to be able to time the market. Otherwise, you wouldn't be timing the market. Meaning if you knew how to do that correctly, which no one does, you would have enough funds where you wouldn't be doing that. Um, so again, uh, another example there. And let's go to this one where it's, again, understanding that investing doesn't equal gambling. If you're investing over a period of one month, the odds of making money are 62%. The odds of losing money are 38%. This chart showing you the longer you invest, the odds of you making your money are higher. So over a one-year period, it's 75% odds of making money, 25% odds of not. Again, 
It's one year period. Five years, there's nearly 90% chance that you will make money. Uh, 11% chance you won't. Over 10 years, 95% chance. Over 15 years, 99.8% chance. So again, if you want to flip a coin and try to invest for a day, again, that's your prerogative, but there's no guarantee of that. And you should have a different mindset, especially if you're smart or trying to do things in the way that I think is right. Now let's talk about like losses and gains unrealized, right? Because again, these are unrealized. If someone doesn't sell and they get a recovery, when you lose funds, when you have an unrealized loss, you have to gain more than the loss to recover fully, right? And it's the more depth of the loss, the more the gain has to be. So if you had an unrealized loss of 10%, the recovery has to be 11% to get you back to even. If you have an unrealized loss of 20%, the recovery mathematically, again, has to be 25% to get you back to even. If it's unrealized loss of 30%, the recovery, again, has to be 43% to get you back to even. So mathematically, that's what people understand is when you have a loss, the recovery has to be higher to get you back to even, right? So um, that's one thing to note. And again, this is just showing the timeframes again, um, outdated, but still still remains daily. If you're just investing for daily, the chance it's positive about 54%. So that's the one day you have pretty much a coin flip. A quarter, three months, um, 68%. One year, 74%. Five years, 86 10 years, 94 And again, this is looking at historical data, right? So they look at data for 80, 70, 90 years, and they use that um, as the linchpin for the data. So that's, you know, again, an eye-opening statistic that people should be able, hopefully, to understand, look at, and get a better barometer for um, the other thing in this roundtable I want to talk about is when people should actually pull from their IRAs. There's different opportunities, different times. Um, you know, you usually see it as a, the last line of resort for money, liquidity, and cash, right? So you've exhausted your emergency fund, you've exhausted any other savings, the checking and savings account is gone, then you want to pull from the IRAs. So if you've been laid off, you have a lack of emergency fund, no other backup plan, then you now you really need to pay rent buy groceries and other necessities that you have to do, then that's when you should possibly look at it, right? Um, and again, there's penalties result. There's p- potential penalties for a job for a 401k or IRA. There's potential taxes that you must pay. But um, it's okay to to withdraw when we're going through some of those issues, right? Um, you know, so again, those are those financial issues might be. And of course, we know that through the CARE Act, there's been some more leniency with the government allowing people to draw and withdraw and also return some of the money. Um, there's loans against 401ks, not really loans against IRAs. Um, but, you know, there's situations where, and the reasons why you want to avoid it is because the money withdrawal won't grow, so it's not being invested. Um, and when you pull out from the stock market, especially when things are down, as we just showed in that chart earlier, one, you're, you're removing the liquidity, you're removing the, you're locking in the losses, right? Because if you lock, if you sell and have to take funding out, you're locking in those unrealized losses versus, you know, allowing potential recovery to happen. Um, and if you do allow recovery to happen, it has to be higher than the losses, right? Um, so you could also be re- missing out on realized investment gains when the market picks up. Um, there could be fees associated with 401k loans if you do a loan versus a withdrawal. Um, and so there's a bunch of different factors. It's not the best situation to do these things, honestly. Um, 
but I understand that it does does happen every once in a while um, uh, as well for for people. So those are some good, good tips in our roundtable. Again, uh, make sure you are tapped in, hopefully saving, hopefully budgeting, hopefully doing those things that we talk about on the daily um, and things should turn out all right. Make sure you share with us your family and friends as always, and we'll talk to you next week.